Thank you so much, Mike, and uh, uh, we are so grateful and thankful for those partners and ministries that we are partnered with. Now, if you open your Bible today, we're continuing our series about foundations, about restoring foundations. If the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? So we need to get back to the very foundations that God, a spiritual foundation. How do we have a right relationship with God and how do we have a right relationship with one another? And we've been studying the Ten Commandments. Those joining us online, we're in Deuteronomy chapter number 5. Today's commandments that we're going to look at begin with verse number 19. Do not steal. It's pretty clear, isn't it? Number, verse 20. Do not give dishonest testimony against your neighbor. Verse 21. Do not cover your, covet your neighbor's wife or desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male or female slave, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. These Ten Commandments are about rightly relating. It's about relationships. The, everything's about relationships. It's about our relationship with God and how do we have a right relationship with him. And then our relationship with one another. And if this relationship with God is right, then these relationships with one another will be right. But when our relationship with God isn't right, then our relationship with one another deteriorates. And one of the indicators that our relationship with God is right is that our relationship with others are right. Because how can you say that you love God whom you do not see when you don't love your fellow brother or sister whom you do see? And that's exactly what the Bible is teaching us. So in these Ten Commandments, the first part of the ten has to do with our relationship with God, and the second half has to do with our relationship with one another, but they're linked together in one tablet written by the very finger of God. Today, we're going to look at the first one, do not steal. Now, we're going to look at a lot of different Bible passages today, so I encourage you to follow along on the screen and in your copy of God's Word. First of all, what is stealing? You shall not steal. What does it mean? What is stealing? First of all, it's property theft. Of course, that means taking something that is not yours and is owned by someone else. That the Bible teaches that man has a stewardship under God, that everything is the Lord's, ultimately. Amen? It's all from his hand. It's all created by him, and it is all his. But the Bible also teaches that there's personal responsibility that we have and a personal stewardship unto God about the property that we do possess. And personal property rights are acknowledged in God's word and encouraged in God's word so that you might be able to provide for yourself, work with your hands, work the land, use your possessions in order to provide for you and your family and to do good deeds to one another and to worship God with your life. So that's important. Exodus chapter 22, verse number 1 Exodus chapter 22, verse number 1. 
It reminds us that stealing an ox or a sheep, if it says when a man steals an ox or a sheep and butchers it or sells it, he must repay five cattle for the ox or four sheep for the sheep. Notice in verse number seven, it says, when a man gives his neighbor valuables or goods to keep, but they are stolen from that person's house, the thief, if caught, must repay double. When you steal, it comes at a consequence, and you must restore whenever you're caught in the act of stealing. That's why Jesus, that's so of a wonderful story about Jesus when he encounters Zacchaeus. What was that, did Zacchaeus do for a living? What did he do? He was a tax collector. That's exactly right. And as a tax collector, he was often fraudulent and extorted money from others. When Jesus has this encounter with Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus' life is changed by the power of the Lord Jesus in his life, Zacchaeus then says, Any, anyone that I will pay back four times what I've extorted and half of my possessions I'm going to give to the poor. And Jesus said, this day there's a son of Abraham here. He's saying God is restoring and working in his life. In Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 14, it says, Do not remove your neighbor's boundary marker. Why? Because it's, it's, it's established at the start of the inheritance you, that you receive the, uh, the land that the Lord has given you to possess. And he says, so you don't move those markers. He, what he's saying is, everyone's getting a portion in the land. And don't you sneak out at night and move the markers so that encroach on another and steal it as part of your own. Stealing listen closely, is a violation of a brother or sister's rights. You are stealing from them the right to live free, to make a living, and to provide for themselves and their family. And when you steal, you're stealing away the right for them to live as good stewards of God. Stealing is a high crime. But this passage, when it says you shall not steal, historically, Bible interpreters have understood this to mean kidnapping and man-stealing. Deuteronomy 24, verse number 7. Do you have your Bible? Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse number 7. This is about basic human rights. If a man is... Dis if a man is discovered kidnapping one of his Israelite brothers, whether he treats him as a slave or sells him, the kidnapper must die. Man-stealer, some interpretation, some translations of the Bible. That's what it is. It's the stealing of a man. You must purge the evil from you. This is a high crime against humanity when you kidnap and steal. This is something sensitive to the children of Israel because of the story of what happened. Do you remember among Israel's sons, who was one of the most favored of Israel? Well, it was the birth of the son to Rachel, to Jacob. And remember, or Israel, and remember how God made him a special garment and a special robe. What was his name? 
Joseph, and he loved him. Now, there wasn't anything evil in Joseph. There was nothing evil on the father uh, uh, at all, but instead he loved all of his sons, but he had a special affection for Joseph. But there was, there was envy and resentment and hatred that developed for the brothers against their own brother. And remember, when he went to go check on them out in the field and found them, they said, here comes that dreamer now. I'll tell you what, let's, let's kill him. And they grabbed him, they seized him, they, 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 they're threatening to kill him, they're talking about destroying him, and, and there's a debate among the brothers about killing him. And finally they conclude, what profit do we get by just killing the lad? And they throw him in a pit and keep him there. And so some Midianites come along, and some descendants of Ishmael, and they sell him for 20 shekels of silver. So they put some coins in their pocket, and they sold their brother. But dude, that's not the end of their crime. They strip off his garment and soak it in animal's blood, and they take it back to their father and say, Hey, Dad, we found this. Does this garment remind you of anyone? How cruel. This is man-stealing. They sell him into slavery. We're still reaping the whirlwind, in my opinion. No, clearly. We're still reaping the whirlwind about sins done in past generations in our own culture. From 1525 to 1866, Roughly, by best estimates, 12.5 million Africans were stolen from their home, from their families, from their tribe, from their community. These Africans were stolen from West Africa and Central Africa. They were bartered and traded in Africa, mistreated, chained to one another, and sold like chattel. Put on ships in the Middle Passage, it's estimated that 10.7 million survived the Middle Passage of transport across the Atlantic. These are statistics developed by the transatlantic slave database edited by David Eltis and David Robinson. These Africans were stolen young adult men and women. They were stolen from their mothers and their fathers, and they were stolen from their families, and they were stolen, man-stealing. They were shipped off from Congo and Angola and Cameroon and Gabon. Please listen to me today. This was a high crime. They were stolen from places like Nigeria and Togo. And they were delivered to places in the Caribbean and South America and North America. It's estimated that only 388,000 came to North America. It's a small percentage of the total number of those that were stolen. This was worse than indentured servanthood, 
We're familiar with indentured servanthood or slavery in the Bible where you become so poor that you sell yourself into slavery because you can't take care of yourself. That's beyond this. This is the stealing away of a person and making them a slave. It's a violation of a human dignity and a human right, and it's a high crime, and we're still reaping the whirlwind of the sins of past generations. An endless number of hurt brokenness. And God hates it. It's a violation of basic human dignity and human rights. And that's covered in this commandment. Not only that, but also deception. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 1, when you deceive others, dishonest scales are detestable to the Lord and an accurate and an and, 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 but an accurate weight is his delight. When you trick people and deceive them, then you devalue them. Hmm. And this is what a thief says. I want what I want, and I'll take it from you. By hook or crook, I'll steal it from you. That's what stealing is. I, I learned this the hard way when I was just a young man, still in college. One of my cars was wrecked, and so I had to get a different car, and I bartered to get by a car from this guy, and I thought he was an upstanding guy, and I, I didn't know much about it. I had a little bit of insurance money. He said, oh, this is just a perfect car for you. You're going to love this car. Look at it. It looks nice on the outside. It's all washed up and clean. He said, yeah, it's just perfect. I, so I gave him my insurance money and a little bit more, and he, he said, thank you, it's great to meet you. Awesome, I drove off in that car. That car was not what he said it was. That car did two things no preacher's car should ever do. It drank and smoked both. It was a, a real problem, that car was. He deceived me, took advantage of me. When you defraud your employees and don't, pay them rightly. James chapter 5 verse 4 says, look, the pay that you withheld from the workers who mowed your fields cries out and the outcry of the harvesters has reached the ears of the Lord of the harvest. That's stealing from others when you don't pay the people that work for you correctly. Number five, by refusing to pay your debts, that's stealing. Romans chapter 13, do you have your Bible? Look at me with me. Romans chapter 13 verse number 6 Romans chapter 13, in verse number 6, listen to what the Scripture says, and for this reason you pay taxes. Doesn't that just thrill you? We get to pay taxes. Since the authorities are God's servants continually attending to these tasks. Listen to what he says, verse number 7, pay your obligations to everyone, taxes to those who owe taxes, tolls to those who owe tolls, respect to those who owe respect, honor to whom you owe honor. Verse number eight, do, uh, he says, do not owe anyone anything except to love one another for the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. Wow. He said, listen, he says, love one another. Verse number 10 says, love does no wrong to his neighbor. So this is what he's saying. He says he's connecting to the Decalogue. Pay your debts. 
pay your taxes, pay your tolls, pay your fees, pay your bills. Be good citizens. Respect one another. And that is what God has called us to do. And when you don't do that, you're stealing. Number six, refusing to work. That's stealing also. When you refuse to work, God made you to work. That rubs some of y'all wrong, doesn't it? God made you to work. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he's to do what? Let's say it again. He's to do what? With his what? Own hands, so that he has something to share with anyone in need. So Paul, man, that's a great scripture verse. First of all, he says, stop stealing. No longer steal. Then secondly, he says, go to work with your own hands. And then you'll be able to pay your own bills, pay your own way, and share with other people in need. Listen to me, parents. You need to teach your children and your grandchildren to work. Crickets in here. You need to teach them to work at home. You need to teach them to do chores at home. You need to teach them to work and to, to, to buy with what they've earned. And you need to teach them to save. And you need to teach them about giving. These are things that I learned as a boy, things that I tried to teach to my children. I remember my father just in, uh, I was in middle school, uh, junior high, and, and dad says, what are you going to do this summer? He said, well, I'm going to play ball with the boys, and do, you know, he said, well, I, I think you're going to do some other things too. And so he says, come out to the car. He went and bought a brand new push mower. He said, you know, we got some women at church, elderly le- widows, and they, they can't mow their own grass, and I told them you'd help take care of them this summer. Thanks, Dad. And he says, and also you can go around the streets and just knock on the door and ask them if they want somebody to mow their yard and then negotiate. And so I pushed my little lawnmower all over town all summer long, and I made money, $5 for a lot. I would make money mowing yards. And sometimes some of the older women, they couldn't pay. They'd feed me a bowl of strawberries and ice cream. There you go. That was my pay for mowing your grass. But I learned to work, and I saved my dollars, and I saved, and I gave to the church, too. And I learned to buy things for myself. All during my growing up years, I had jobs. When I was in high school, I always had a job. I worked in the hay fields in the summer, and I also worked in a high school. In high school, I would leave high school, go home. I'd change clothes. I'd go to a filling station, a gas station filling station. These were the old days, old ancient days, where people would drive up and stay in their car. And you'd go out to the car, and you'd say, how can I help you? And he says, well, I'd like that. Fill her up, all right? And so you'd open the tank and you'd put the gas in for them. Would you like me to check your tire? You check the air in the tires, look under the hood, check the oil, wash the windshield. Boy, those were ancient days. Nobody does that anymore. But I made minimum wage $1.25 an hour. I remember when I got bumped to $1.35, I thought, I'm in the high money now. I learned to work with my hands. I went to the university. I borrowed $500 as I entered the university to help me get started in school. And when I graduated, I graduated with a total indebtedness of $500. 
Why? Because I worked multiple jobs and put myself through school myself. When I was in seminary, I did the same thing, working multiple jobs, had two babies, and passed. Not just passed, I excelled academically. And God blessed me. And I have no sympathy for sloth or laziness. And neither does God's word. Laziness depends on others to take care of you and feed you. And God has called you to work hard and provide for your family. What we have is a delayed adulthood and extended adolescence. And parents were the blame for allowing this to happen in our culture. You don't need to live off your parents. You don't need to live off the government. And you don't live off church charity. If a man will not work, don't let him eat. And if a man doesn't provide for his own self and his family, he's worse than an unbeliever, the Bible says. I do believe there ought to be a safety net in culture. I do believe that there ought to be a, a safety net for those who want to work, but they can't provide for themselves. But we need to get off of this living on the government dole for our living. It's stealing. It's stealing from those who do work. It's also refusing to tie the stealing. As long as I'm offending people, let's keep going. Malachi. <laughs> Malachi chapter number 3. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. This is God's indictment. Now listen to what the prophet says. How do we rob you, you ask? By not making the payments of the tenth, by not tithing, by your tithes and offerings. You're paying your tenth and your contributions. He says, you, you, you're not tithing. Listen to, listen to what it, Malachi says. He says, test me in this and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. He says, when you refuse to give to me in worship and tithes and offerings, you're stealing, robbing from me. Test me in this. Try me in this. You trust me and you watch how I will not bless you. I will bless you wonderfully. My question is, are you tithing? Are you giving? Are you worshiping the Lord with, your, with God, how God's blessed you? Why not? Is it an issue of trust? Is it because you've made an idol of possessions in your own life? You're afraid to offend your spouse? Or is it you just don't value the Lord in your life? It's all his. So how should I live? If I don't steal, then what, how am I to live? What's the other side of this commandment? The other side of this commandment is you are to work and provide for yourself. How, first of all, work and provide for yourself, number one. Number two, give generously. Be a giver, not a taker, giver. And then trust in the Lord. Trust the Lord to take care of you. How many of y'all believe that God can take care of you you trust him? Listen to what Matthew chapter 7 says. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will what? be what opened unto you. 
For everyone who asks, what? Receives. And to everyone who seeks, what? Finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened to him. He says, what man among you what, has a son? And if that son comes to him and asks him for a loaf, would you give him a stone? No. If he asks you for a fish, would you give him a snake? No. But if you being evil, sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? So in every way, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. For this is the law and the prophets. Trust God. Don't steal. Secondly, don't lie. Don't bear false witness. Now, how do we do that? What is... First of all, the source of lying, the, for, the source of false of lying is Satan himself. John chapter 8, verse 44. Look with me. Let's just look in, on the screen or you join me. Look online. John 8, verse 44. You are of the father of the devil and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Is there any truth in Satan? No. He does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. And when he tells a lie, he what? He speaks from his own what? Nature. Because he is a liar and what? The father of lies. When you lie, the source of your lying is hell itself. You are deceiving like Satan does, and you're living like one of his children and not God's children. The Holy Spirit never leads you to lie. Secondly, what is lying? What comprises of lying? That's the question to ask. Lying says, I want what I want, and I'll deceive you to get it. I want what I want, and I'll deceive you to get it. I'll manipulate you to get it. I'll cheat you to get it. I'll trick you to get it. One of the things that lying is, is first of all, slander. What comprises of lying? Slander. Illustration of this is found in the book of Genesis. You know the story from the very beginning. The very first man, the very first woman are in the garden together. And this beautiful creature in the garden, a serpent, comes to the woman and listen to the slander and the trickster, what he does to, with the woman. He asks a question, first of all, Hath God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Now, he knows, but he's trying to set this up. And he's laying groundwork. Now, listen to what the woman replies. She says, oh, no, of the trees of the garden, we may eat freely, but the one in the midst of the garden, we are not to eat it or touch it, she adds to it, or touch it, lest you die. And exactly, that's what God said. The day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. He told that to Adam and Eve, you shall surely die. And listen to the slander. And the serpent said, You shall not 
die? God's lied to you. And then he says, God knows that the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. God's holding out on you. God's not been honest with you. God hasn't been forthright with you. Well, you're missing out on something. Here's the lie. Listen, here's the lie that obedience is keeping you from finding satisfaction. Here's the lie that obedience is keeping you from finding happiness. Obedience is keeping you from being fulfilled. Obedience is keeping you from understanding deep knowledge or real life. But it's a lie out of hell. And slander is when you lie about another in order to help you or to hurt them. And that's slander. Secondly, lying includes perjury. Exodus 23, 1 and 2, you must not spread a false report. Do not join the wicked and malicious witness. Do not follow the crowd in wrongdoing. Do not testify in a lawsuit and go along with a crowd to prevent justice. Do not show favoritism. You are not to lie under oath, perjury. Thirdly, we need to hurry. Spreading rumors about other people is lying. When, have you heard that? Did you hear? Lying. Flattery. Flattery is another way that we lie to people. Proverbs 26, 28 says, A lying tongue hates those, uh, it hates those it crushes, and a flattering mouth causes ruin. I like this next scripture verse. Look at it with me. Let's read it together. Psalm 55, verse 21. Read it with me out loud. But war is in his heart. His words are softer than oil, but they are drawn swords. I love that. His buttery words are smooth. His land of lake lips. I mean, they're sweet and smooth and slick. But behind his words are what? War. He wants to hurt you. Oh, in my ministry, I've had so many people over the years just come with the most flattery words, but there's a butt getting ready to come. You know what I'm talking about. I'll tell you what else is lying. Pretending is lying. Putting on a show and pretending to be something when you're not In the book of Acts, that's a great story about that, isn't there? The story of Ananias and Sapphira. Remember the story? How that they pretended to be like Barnabas in selling a piece of property and giving it to the Lord's work. And so, but what they did is they connived behind the scenes, this man and the woman, and they said, let's pretend like we're giving it, but let's keep it for ourselves, mostly. And they brought a portion 
of what they brought and pretended they gave the whole thing. But it was exposed right in the congregation. And Peter was there and he says, you have not lied to men. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. God's judgment fell on the man and the woman. They both died. And they were buried by the youth ministry. And great awe came over the whole congregation. Can you only imagine? Yes. So how should I live? We're not going to go into detail. I'll let you look up these scripture verses yourself. Number one, speak the truth. This is what I do. This, instead of lying, do this. This is the good side. Speak the truth. Be honest. Live the truth. Teach the truth. And live with integrity. Live with integrity. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything more than that is from the evil one. You don't have to swear by this and swear. Well, I'm telling you the truth. I swear on a hundred Bible. Well, if you lie on one Bible, how many Bibles does it take? <laughs> Stick a needle in my eye. Blah, 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 blah. Stop it. Well, I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth. Well, have you been telling me the truth all the time? Can you let your, just, your yes be yes and your no be no? And anything more than that is from the evil one. Live a life of integrity. Finally, do not covet. This is the last of these in the Decalogue. We're not done with the series. I'm going to wrap it up next week. But I want you to look at do not covet. Now, what is covet? Coveting, covetousness and coveting is different than all of the other commands on this part of the Ten Commandments. Why? What is different? Let me ask you. What is different between coveting and these other commandments? Don't murder. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. What is different with covetousness? The others are observable acts. But covetousness is something in your heart that others may not see, but it's inside of you. It's not an outward act. It's an inward attitude that's in you and motivates you. It's a motive of the heart. And what is covetousness? It's a desire for your neighbor's property or possessions. I, I want what they have. I desire for it. I long for it. I want what they have. It's a desire for your neighbor's family. I want their family. I want, it's a desire for your neighbor's life. I want their life, not my life. See, behind covetousness, it's closely related to these sins of envy and jealousy. It's related to the, the refusal, listen to me, the refusal in your life to celebrate and rejoice with good things that God blesses in other people's lives. It's underneath it is a, a sick competitiveness against others. And it's covetousness. The Bible says that's tantamount to idolatry. 
and it's in your heart. Here's what you say when you covet. I want what I want. And I want what you have. And this is what you say. I don't want what you, God, have given me. I want what others have. So how do I live? How do I live? If I don't want to live a covetous life, which is a deep heart issue, listen, what kind of life do I live? Well, I'm glad you asked. First of all, you need to be content. Contentment in your life. Content and trust in God himself. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 11. Let's look at the scriptures on the board together. Philippians 4, 11. Would you read this out loud? Let's practice our reading today. Read out loud with me, all right? Number one, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I find myself. Is that you? Next verse. I know how to make do with little. I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being what? Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. Wow. Is there contentment in you? Paul says, I've learned the secret. See, when you're not content, then you want to steal. You want to manipulate. You want to hook or crook. When you, you want to covet. First Timothy chapter 6, he warns us of this. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen? Do you have contentment in your life? Contentment with the Lord. And then be trusting. All right? Be trusting in your life. Trust the Lord. How many of y'all believe God's got you? He's going to take care of you. Yes. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. Amen. Can you trust the Lord to take care of you? As we look at these commandments, you say, Brother Tim, I feel so like a sinner in my life. Well, that's, <laughs> that's what these commandments do. They tell us about how to be rightly related to God, but they also how to be rightly related to one another. But they also bring us to that crisis in our life that says, I'm not a law keeper, I'm a law breaker. But they point us to one who fulfilled the law, and his name is Jesus. And he died on Calvary's cross bearing all of your sins and mine. And when he hung on Calvary's cross, he suffered between two what? Thieves. And he was dying for our sin on a tree. And he rose again the third day victoriously. And a holy God was satisfied 
the law of God was fulfilled. And all of us who turn from sin and trust in Christ, he cleanses us from all of our sin and he attributes the righteousness of Christ unto us. That's the greatest news I know in all the world. Jesus Christ paid the debt that I owe. He died in my place and he washes all of my sins clean forever. Hallelujah. What a Savior we have. Father in heaven, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as personal Savior and Lord, I pray that today they might turn from sin and trust in Christ. Lord, I thank you for your word. It's powerful. It's true. It's life-changing. Father, I pray that, Lord, we today will hear you and we will respond by faith and repentance to you. In Jesus' name, amen.